The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hello and welcome to our Source of Truth podcast. And we are so glad you're with us and joined us this morning as we take time to join together in God's word as we begin this week on this Monday episode, a Monday edition of the podcast. And we're so glad you're with us and taking time as we have been going through uh, what many call the Advent, the first coming of Jesus Christ, more popularly known as the Christmas story. And have been taking time to dig down into some of the deeper truths and some of the things, and, and today even just a small bit of history behind it to be able to tie it all together and just to give us a greater depth and reminder of all that Jesus did when he came the first time and what it meant. And I want you to consider something when we talk about one of the premises of why Jesus came. In Philippians chapter 2, it's a very popular passage where it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And that continues to say, Who being in the form of God, who was up with God, the Spirit, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him, no one forces, took upon him a form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I think we have to remember that Jesus existed eternity before this event took place. And because of the need of mankind, because of the sin of mankind, and because of the punishment that was needed by the holiness of God, needed for mankind's sin, Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant, us, human, mankind, and he came down as a baby to be able to go through all of the processes and all of what it's like to be human while always maintaining the divine aspect. So he had a human mother and a divine father, and he lived his life perfect and then ultimately to the cross because only someone, only the, a perfect lamb could pay for the sins of the world, fulfilling all of the picture of the Old Testament sacrifices to give us what we enjoy and that is in salvation. So we've been going back and looking at this because there's a lot more behind this. Much of what we're looking at is the core of all that we hold to, of all that we believe, and it's the foundation of our beliefs. And so I think it's good for us to dig down deeper and to give us an understanding of all of what this means. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, one of the more popular um, aspects of the Christmas story, uh, very popular as we talk about m- not just the announcement of the birth of Jesus, but now we start digging into um, not just the announcement, we get into the actual action, the day it took place. And many people, when they read the Christmas story, uh, we do it Christmas morning before we open the presents. And so when they read the Christmas story, this is the passage they come to because this is really what most people look back to and remember. So Luke chapter 2, we're just going to read the first couple verses of this. In chapter, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So what's what I just want to focus on those verses today is we evaluate this idea and really what it comes down, what it means to us. And I want to start with verse one. I want to just take another thought from another verse to give you a thought that's going to, to me, flows through the next few minutes as we evaluate a very practical aspect of, of what, again, called the Christmas story. 
In Romans 8, 28, which has been referenced, I've heard other preachers reference it, I've referenced it twice in the last couple, uh, probably last week or so, in messages, when it comes down to the idea of all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Primacy, God's got a plan, and all the things that happen in our life will and can and will work out for his good, for our good, for those who love God, those the called according to his purpose, living, desiring to grow in the will of God. And we look at this and we ask the question, can all things really, can the pandemic, can the riots, can all of the things happening, can the, the unrest in our country, can it really be used for good? for God, for those who love him, for those who strive to follow him. And so you come back and you ask that question, a valid question, if you're willing to say, it's, when I say a valid question, a valid question if you're willing to hear the answer. Uh, in James we're told, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. The gifts to all men liberally and upbraideth not shall be given him. But then it says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let that man not think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The belief is not what you think the answer is. The belief is in the God of whom you are asking wisdom. So when I ask, when I lack wisdom, when I ask God, I get it because I've completely convinced and believe and through faith that the God I'm asking has the answer. And when he gives me the answer, then I hold true to that. So when I go back in that thinking to Romans 8, all things work together for good, can it? Well, we're going to look at the aspect, one of the many aspects of the Christmas story where that Romans 8, 28 is true. So let's go back in verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass in those days. What days? Remember in chapter 1, it was referencing that, sick, you know, around the birth of John, you know, when Mary found out about her birth, um, they found out that John the Baptist had already been, you know, she'd been pregnant already six months. And so around that time, came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, I just took a little bit of time to dig through some history um, to figure out what, what, and you ask why. Because sometimes you see terms like Caesar Augustus and you wonder, does the Bible, is it just a random book of stories that doesn't actually fit history? Well, the man Caesar Augustus was a Roman emperor. His first name was actually Octavius, Octavian, uh, Octavius and, and he was a nephew of Julius Caesar. He obtained the empire after Julius Caesar's death, and he took the name Augustus, or in other words, August, or Honorable, as a compliment to his own greatness, which is where we get the month August from. Now, if you go back, you can research in history to find this to be a real man, which allows you to get a general understanding of, in history, where Jesus was, if you want to take time to do it. In verse 2, this taxing was first made with Cyrenius as governor of Syria. Real men, you can go back and you begin to calculate about what time this is. Now, without taking a lot of time, which was well, my, not my goal today, to go in, why, why the history lesson, or why one thought read in history? because it helps us to realize this is not... Some, pe some people want to criticize that this is just a Bible story. And stories are just that, stories. They're not facts, they're stories. And many would say the Old Testament stories like Jonah and the whale, or no, no one, Jonah and the whale, I don't know why I'm getting all that confused, uh, was just a story, it wasn't real. No, these were real events. And so our Luke, being very detailed in his writing, placed historical events to give us markers that throughout mankind we can always go back and see the truth behind what's happening. And by the way, history, historians have done research to find all of this information to be true and proven in, in history. So let's look at the practical side. 
It came to pass in those days that the decree came out that all the world should be taxed. You say, preacher, not all the world was to be taxed. Well, please understand in Scripture that all the world and phrases like that were often used, but not necessarily as a global thing. It meant basically all the region, all of the people, even reached obviously out to Galilee because that's where Joseph was. And so basically all of the region around, all of the, that, that, anybody affected by this decree was brought out. So all of it, and simply the practical point is that Joseph was affected because of the, he was in this area. He had to go back. Now, simply one of the reasons why you go back to your home area where lineage was, it was somewhat of a census. Today, they give you a mail or they come knock on your door or whatever to get a census, to get information. So not too unsimilar, uh, um, not too different to what it is today in the area of a census taking. He'd go back, the census would take, and then he would pay his taxes. Well, without a doubt, the taxes were excessive and a problem, and, and you can imagine the unrest of all of these happening. But what we want to look at is not about the historical issues that people would have with a government that would take too much in the area of taxes, which is not abnormal throughout all of human history, because frankly, anytime you allow humans to have too much authority, they abuse the authority. It's why our founding fathers placed limitations to not let that happen. But so we look at this, and so in verse 3, we say, all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. Let's go to verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And then there's a, a clarification. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David, back to his homeland to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, please understand, I, just, just paint the picture. Look, look at this picture with me. So, you know, they're, they're, they're almost at least nine months. So it's at least seven, eight, nine months. We don't really know how long he was in Bethlehem before the baby was born. A lot of stories like to depict that she, you know, the moment they got into town, she had the baby. And it's possible. It just says while they were there, while they were going through this process. So they get there. But before they get there, you understand, so they're at least anywhere of seven, eight, nine months. She's great with child. They traveled, you know, and you imagine what it must have been like to think, I mean, we've had to travel to Bethlehem. So the announcement's inconvenience because of the health of Mary, the health of the baby. And then he has to leave his work and he has to travel and all the expense. And remember, it's all on foot or on donkey, you know, from, Gal from Nazareth down to, to Bethlehem. And so there's all of this inconvenience coming. And inevitably, when you get down there, there's going to be no room because all of these people traveling to this little town of Bethlehem, as the songwriter put it, and they're all going to come down and try and find a place to stay. And by the time they get there, there's just not room. You know, and there was the inn, and we know in Luke 11 that there were times when you travel, you go to the home uh, of someone you know, and they should house you. So you take into account the inn or where people should house you, all of that, there just was no room, which gives you another idea of how overwhelming amount of people would have been there. Like walking through on a normal year, New York City, uh, you know, during the New Year's Eve and all this, you just can't move. My daughter went, and I went there a couple years ago before all of the pandemic. And we're walking down. We're trying to get out of Times Square back to Madison Square Garden to get down um, into Penn Station to come back to train back to Jersey. And so we stake off from Times Square. We're trying to, you know, just get across the street. And the crowds are so dense. I mean, you're just being pushed and crushed from every step. And then you're, just to walk across the street, you'd go through two or three lights. And, and after just, just going not even a block, we're like a half hour into this. I looked at my daughter. Let's just go down the subway. It was a ridiculous, you know, what, mile hike. And uh, so we went to the um, subway just because to get away from the absolute density uh, of this. And I, I look at that and I think, can you imagine what the crowds must have been like in Bethlehem? And all of this is, is there's frustration and maybe protest and maybe all of these different complaints going on. And they're just trying to find a place 
to stop and rest and just because they, you know, they know it's likely that the baby's going to come during this time and all of these things happening. Can you imagine, humanly speaking, how there might have been frustration and anger at, at this man, Caesar Augustus, and how dare he do this? He doesn't care about the average person. Doesn't that kind of sound familiar today? And when all these arguments with, you know, these restrictions and all these things, and, 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 and we sit back and just say, it's easy for us to say these people don't, don't live where we are. They don't care how it affects us. And here's my point. You can see even something thousands of years ago in relation to 2020 and how much of the battles that they faced, we, you know, similar to some of the same frustrations. What, what's the point I want to get to as we kind of move to the practical side of this? My premise is this. Sometimes we look at Scripture and we look at the Christmas story and it's a cute story. That's kind of how we see it. We miss the biblical theology behind it. Sometimes we miss um, the rel- how relative it is to us today. You know, Jesus was born and, and we look at it as romantic and all these different titles we want to put to it. But the fact is, there's nothing but inconvenience from the moments this happened to the end. I mean, they had already dealt with all of the issues of her not, you know, Joseph not being the father of this baby. And then they're dealing now with traveling and coming to Bethlehem and no room in the end and all of these different things we know to be part of the story. But just, just ignore it and take it away from the Christmas story and just picture Mary and Joseph, young couple, just just trying to get through this, not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, all the issues that come with this. Now, you sit back and say, what's the point? Can you imagine the frustration? Now let's go back to the verse I referenced, Romans 8, 20, all things work together for good. You see, how could that possibly, if you look at that historically, why? Because prophecy dictated that Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. And so, no angel went down and told Joseph, I need you to go to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy, which they could have done, and I believe Joseph would have done. It didn't happen. <laughs> to make everything work for God's plan to come in full fruition, God used a pagan king, a pagan ruler, shall we say, to institute this horrendous taxing to make sure that this man was in the place he needed to be, to not only be in the city he was to be, but in the humble birth that was all prophesied. All of these things would have to take place. And he used somebody who didn't even claim him probably to be real. God can use anything. God can and use everything. In Romans 8, 20, it's true. All things work together. Why? Because God can and does use. The Bible talks about God uses the hands, the hearts of the ruler are in the hands of God. You know, we, we understand that God's given us a free will, but that doesn't mean he sits back wringing his fingers wondering what's going on. God is fully aware of what's going on in our culture, in our lives, in our scenarios, and all of these things. I think about all the people in our state just from the, you know, in the midst of Christmas season, you know, when they work in the gym or the theaters or, or in the, um, uh, the restaurants, they've all just lost their jobs. And yeah, well, they'll, they'll, get, they'll get, you know, uh, unemployment, yeah, eight, nine weeks from now. And you look, you look at all of this and say, can God be part of all of this? And all of this unrest, yes. God may not be telling this to happen, but God can use these things to bring people to Him. God can use these things to encourage people. God can use these things to draw us, and God can use these things to help us to be in a spot where His plan can be fulfilled. The key comes down to whether I will trust Him enough to allow His plan to be fulfilled. The story is not just a story, it's an account. It's a truth, and it's a very relative to today. And may this truth drive us even closer to God, because just like He was with Joseph, Back, the birth of Jesus, he's with us today, as in a week we celebrate, in just a few days, in just a few days we celebrate 
the birth of Jesus. I tell you, thank you for joining us today and giving us opportunity to be able to look at the Word of God and to evaluate this from all different aspects just to get one more reality of how even Jesus' birth is so true and practical to our day. More than just the Christmas story, but how it means to us in every part of our relationship with Jesus. We thank you for joining us at the beginning of this week, and we look forward to you being with us tomorrow as we continue this study at 11 o'clock live or catch it on any of the platforms archives at your convenience. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you have a great rest of the day.